Welcome to Aristotle Full Throttle. I'm Aristotle Full Throttle. And there's no more intro sketches anymore right now because I had to delete every other thing that was weighing down my system on the computer. I know this is very fascinating to all of you at home and you want to know the inner workings and technical know-how of what goes on behind the scenes at this show. But, I, but nay, I shall not continue. I will not go down this road any further. I will not continue to tell me, tell you. I will not continue to let me tell you that we're streaming at 2200 KB per second. All right, now that I've lost you all, welcome back to the Aristotle Full Throttle Show. It's Friday. Romantic comedies. Do they all suck? Is there a point for them? Do we need romantic comedies in our lives? Are, is there a whole point to romantic comedies or not? And if you're bored with this topic, please just go over to Mediocre Films and watch my friend Greg. Uh, that's uh, Mediocre Films. Uh, Greg Benson is probably streaming right now. You know, this show functions mainly as a promotional tool for other platforms, it seems. But I'm happy to be here. I'm always happy here to talk to you. It's a privilege and an honor to talk to you guys daily like this. I've worked it out so that we could stream at full frames per second. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing when you delete a bunch of junk from your computer. It's like just The Purge. It's like the TV show, the, the sorry, the movie The Purge. Every once in a while, you just got to go around murdering apps inside your computer. And there you go. I like that analogy. Do you? I don't. Do you? I don't. Do you? Well, 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 well. What are you doing on this Friday? What are you doing this weekend? What are you going to do for this super, the supper bulb? Are you going to have a Super Bowl party? Will you be eating chips and salsa? Will you be eating seven-layer bean dip? Will you be drinking American beers like Miller Lite or Budweiser, which I think is now owned by the Germans? With Weiser? Budenweiserhausen? I, every time I speak German, I just say, like, Hausen at the end. And it makes perfect sense to me. German is, like, one of the last accents you can make fun of. On account of the genocides they do. You know, you can be like, well, the least we can do is make fun of their accent. Because it sounds very harsh. To American ears. To them, it's probably melodious and beautiful. But to us, it sounds like, You know what I mean? Just gonna hang here and chat. Yep. Yeah. Let's just... Remember this song? Remember this song for the kids? What did we wrote it for the kids? I do. I put. I made up this 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 guitar part, the bass part. I got this cup. This cup was not originally intended for me. This cup was part of a couple's gift. A cup. A couple's gift. This was this heart, and it has the heart on it, right? My friend who gave it to me and my partner at the time, there's one that has a heart and there's one that has a brain. And it says heart and it says brain. And sh my friend handed me the brain one and my partner the heart one on account of me not having a heart and them having a brain. 
I mean, them having, them having art. The thing is, my partner uh, cleverly switched to them. I guess to remind me to have a heart. It was nice of them. It's nice of you to be here. I've got so much love to give. I've got all the love of the world. Am I right, Judy? We've got love to give. It's infinite. That's the name of the new Red Hot Chili Peppers album. Unlimited love. That's, that's that sounds about. beautiful. It sounds beautiful. I think it's true. I think, you know, people say, some people have unlimited hate, like I do for this band called Chubba Wubble. Welcome, Judy! <laughs> Welcome, Judy, to the show. That's uh, I have unlimited love for Judy. I have unlimited love for y'all. It's true. I think that the, also one of the topics for today is romantic comedies. <laughs> romantic comedies. What do you think? Of, do you have unlimited love for romantic comedies? What's your opinion? You know, you know what's funny is that I don't watch a lot of rom-com. And it's not because I don't yeah. like them, because usually when I watch them, I really love them. It's just not something I turn... Like, I've never seen The Notebook. Oh, you never saw The Notebook? No, and that's, like, something everyone talks about. <laughs> like, I mean, as far as... I mean, as it's, it's a romance, maybe, more than a romantic comedy. It does have, like, really funny, sincere, funny moments, but... I don't know what qualifies as a romantic comedy because I was looking at some of the uh, things that were just trending here on Twitter and one of the romantic comedies they showed was how Stella got her groove back and I'm like, was that that funny though? It's oh, just man. about a woman just rediscovering her her sensuality. She was rediscovering her freedom in life. You know? That's a, it's important. Yeah. I read a book like that one time called The Awakening in college or something like that. And then, you know, that as a young man... It was like a whole book about a woman discovering her sexuality when she's just, you know, an older woman. And, uh, like, to me, as a kid, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you can go through life repressed. <laughs> and then it can just sort of happen upon you at some point, um, which was interesting. It was an interesting book. So that's what Stella, how Stella got her groove back. I, is that not what it's about? It's been a long time since I saw it. I know. It's been a long time as for me, too. Has Tay Diggs. So, hopefully someone else <laughs> can comment about hopefully. it. Well, we just keep charging it forward until someone chimes in. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> usually the plan for me. You know, you just keep going until the director yells cut. And the director ain't going to yell cut till 7 p.m. Um, yeah. It's, it's funny because I had that audition yesterday, that callback audition, and I just kept going until they yelled cut. They were about to hit the space bar to stop recording i just kept going and then they waited and then i you know i looked for a button for the scene every time but sometimes it's difficult sometimes it's difficult to to be on the spot like that but uh especially after it's like this is a little bit more of a complaint about yesterday i was there for two hours right before they saw me and i'm like usually fired up and ready to go go in there and come out and be like done but then when you're waiting for two hours, it kind of like you get punched out. 
You get like tired by the end of the two hours. But at the end of a two hour romantic comedy, <laughs> did you ever see uh, Love Actually? I have. There, nobody's allowed to watch that movie anymore. <laughs> I mean, the thing about it is that they're all awful relationships. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's not really showing much about actual love. It's more about heartache. Yeah. It's not love actually. Which maybe that's I don't know. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. You know, all all of those scenarios are heartbreaking. Yeah. Some of them are creepy. Well, <laughs> that too. Like like just just falling in love with your non-English speaking maid and being like, well, of course she's going to love me back. I just have to, <laughs> you know, there's like that expectation Colin Firth has, I suppose. Right. Um, that that storyline. I've only seen it once, but when I watched it, I remember really enjoying it. But now upon thinking about the scenarios, I'm kind of like, oh, well, you know, I don't know if it's cool to sit, hang outside of Kira Knightley's house her and her husband's house <laughs> and her husband and who her is card. your best friend <laughs> yeah that's weird but again yeah. but then again my contention overall with movies in general is that they're not real especially romantic comedies you got a lot of complaints from a lot of people because they just sort of idealize love. And love actually kind of sort of does, but sort of doesn't. But it's just made up, make them up scenarios. Should they be accurate to real life or should they be fantastical? Should they just be out of someone's head? Should it just be a story that you tell? I don't know. I think, you know, my brother Ricky, he likes to say, uh, <laughs> you know, he said about like Air Bud. He's like, that's ridiculous. It's a dog that plays basketball. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's out of control. That's so stupid. You could just hear him saying it, right? It's just so yes. dumb. It's just, and I'm yeah. like, Ricky, this is the beauty of a movie. Because he, he's like, it's just so far-fetched. It's ridiculous. And I'm like, no, no, no. The beauty of movies is that you can have a movie about a dog who plays basketball. And that is wonderful. That's what I think. <laughs> What do you think, Studio 8H? What were you going to say, Judy? I don't even do remember. Think? Sorry about that. No, I just... It's okay. I, yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I, hear I right. think I, hear I, I really like the, like, Adam Sandler rom-com ones, like... Oh, like 51st Estates? 
like 50 first or, dates or the one he did with jen aniston i think there was one like they all because they're all have ridiculous comedy parts you know but all have some sort of moral at the end yeah so. are you talking about jack and jill maybe <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think that Adam Sandler. Yeah, <laughs> some of the some of those movies, some of those movies, I'm like, those movies were made, right? <laughs> Somebody yeah, they no, spent, some of them, they, some of them are kind of ridiculous for sure, but that's true. <clears throat> Studio Eight A says, "What's far fetched is that dog when it ran to get that ball far away." Uh, please, no, not Jack and Jill. No, we're just we're trying not to. Invoke Jack and Jill, but you know Judy has a personal connection to Adam Sandler movies, so it's fair. <laughs> it's a um, it's, it's a very you know far connection, but it's, it's, a, it's like a couple of degrees of Kevin Bacon away from those movies, actually. So, I mean, it's pretty cool. I actually liked Adam Sandler as a kid when he was on. Now, rewind in your head to the show that was hosted by like Keith Oberman. Or something, and it was and Colin, uh, Colin, I don't remember his name. The guy who did Weekend Update on uh, SNL was on it. But it's a show called Remote Control. It was on MTV, and it was about like movie. It was about like TV trivia and stuff like that. And Adam Sandler was one of his first comedy acting gigs, and I used to love it when they would have him. Colin Quinn, thank you, Studio Eight H. I knew you would know because it's an SNL reference. Adam Sandler would come in through the back and like perform a scene from a TV show and then the people had to buzz in and guess what he was doing. So, but he would do it in his Adam Sandler way. So he'd be like, uh, yeah, hi, uh, you know, I got, I like to kick the jukebox and everything. And then I say, I put my thumb up and I say, Hey, <laughs> and then people are like, you're Fonzie. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, okay. Like, so <laughs> and he would just come in and do like this weird Adam Sandler version of whatever it was. And uh, I thought that was funny. And then his first few movies, his first like four or five movies are actually really good. Um, that I remember. Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and um, what's the one with the kid and and uh, Judd Apatow's wife, isn't it? Oh, what's her name? She's amazing. She's so funny. I can't remember anything last night because you know why, Judy? Why? I didn't sleep too much last night, and I, and I might have hung out with a drag queen last night. <laughs> named, <laughs> That's awesome. Tell yeah, us named Bulimi, and Rhapsody. My friend Satya, oh my her friend, her friend uh, Bulimi and Rhapsody is visiting from out of town, so we went out and we had a drink. And Bulimi and Rhapsody, believe me, they are very funny. You got to check out nice. their Instagram. Follow Believe I Me will. and Rhapsody. I was, I was cracking up. I was cracking up laughing. Leslie Mann, thank you so much. Leslie Mann is, let's go get some French toast. <laughs> I say that once a week, at least. Um, 40-year-old version, that's a romantic comedy. Kind of. Yeah, Would you consider that I a romantic so. comedy? Yeah. Cause I he, think so. Because Catherine Keener... And and uh, my memory will fail me every time after a night of hanging out too late. Um, 
What's his name? Steve Carell. Steve Carell? <laughs> Steve Carell. I uh, didn't realize I liked you were looking a lot. for his name. No. No. Romantic comedies. What are some good ones? Is there such a thing? What about, remember, remember this? Back in the 90s, we had Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in a bunch of movies together. They were always in a romantic comedy every couple years. There's like right. three or four of them. Except I wonder what happened. Castaway. I never understood why it wasn't Meg Ryan in Castaway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what? It's weird because they were kind of like America's sweethearts back in the day. Joe vs. the Volcano is underrated, Studio 8H. I have a story about Joe vs. the Volcano. 40-Year-Old Virgin was definitely a romantic comedy. One of Elizabeth Banks' first roles, I remember she was, uh, he's like, do you like to do it yourself? He just literally repeated her lines back to her. And some, for some reason, <laughs> it was like, that was a very funny scene, actually. Because he had no game, and it was fun to watch him have no game. I know I paid attention after that. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks is incredible. She directed uh, the acapella movie. What's it called? I can't think of it. She directed the, se- the two sequels of those movies. Uh, perfect Pitch. Pitch pitch Perfect. Or pitch Perfect. Those movies are fun. I love those movies. But Joe vs. the Volcano is very underrated. I remember when I was just a little baby child. Judy, do you remember in Sayville there was that flea market on Sunrise Highway? Otherwise, Highway, Sable, Flea Market. Yes. I do know what you're talking yes. about. It was by the Laser Q, Laser Q, Laser Place, or yes. whatever it was called, Qzar. We went mm-hmm. there, too. Uh, when I was a baby child walking through that flea market one time, there was a... They were doing, like, test viewing or something like that, where you had to fill out a questionnaire. They were, gonna, they were like, we're going to show you some previews for movies, and you have to, like fill out these questionnaires and let us know what you think honestly about these trailers. And one of the trailers I watched was for Joe versus the volcano. They were like, the questions were like, would you want to go see this movie based on this trailer? And I was like, yes. And they were like, why? And I was like, cause it looks weird and funny. And Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan's are in it. And Meg Ryan's in it three times. That's why, <laughs> that's why I want to see it. Um, and they were surprised. They were like, why does this kid want to see this movie? He doesn't know from movies. And I said, little do you know, in just a couple decades' time, I will be hosting a show <laughs> about <laughs> movies. <laughs> but uh, Joe vs. the Volcano is a good one. I liked it. It's just dark and weird. Joe Dante, right? Joe Dante directed that? I don't know. You know I don't know those things. I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm hoping Studio 8H knows. Studio 8H is coming in with their ringer for these answers here. I'm a sucker for Notting Hill. Did you ever see Notting Hill, Judy? No. Which one's that one? Is that one with Kira Knightley? I just feel, I feel like every movie has Kira Knightley. Or should. You know, she was in a movie about... That was directed by my favorite director, one of my favorite, David Cronenberg. And it was called The uh, Serious Method, where she plays one of Carl Jung's, Carl Jung is played by Michael Fassbender, Patience. And there's this whole Sigmund Freud versus Carl Jung dynamic in this thing. But I couldn't get through it. 
even though it's directed by one of my favorite directors. It's very difficult for me to watch because Kira Knightley was really fully committed to this strange affect that her character had. And they were trying to cure her of it in the movie using BDSM, by the way. They, this is the serious method <laughs> that they were using. It's a very interesting movie. If you, uh, Maybe it qualifies as a romantic comedy. I don't know. But uh, the, that guy, David Cronenberg, is dark with his movies. He's got a lot of, like, pain and pleasure mixed together. He's got another movie called Crash, where people have are in this, like, fetish group. Now we're talking about romantic comedies, right? Uh, where they... <laughs> people <laughs> specifically and deliberately drive their cars and crash them and then have sex. <laughs> it's not huh. the Crash from 2005 with Brad Pitt. It's a different Crash altogether. But, uh, interesting. Crash is fantastic, far more amazing than the Oscar-winning Crash. I agree. Crash is a dark, serious dark film. It's got James Spader in it, too. Uh, but I do love David Cronenberg. That's a whole other special. That's a whole other day. What happened this week, Judy? Anything happened this week that you remember? I don't even remember. <laughs> like, Did we invade world? In the Is, yeah, are we in Ukraine yet? Um, Anything. No, what ha- no, what's happening? But So Nathan Chen won the uh, Olympic gold for men's skating. And his performance oh, cool. was awesome. I love his it. performance was just so good. That reminds me. The Winter Olympics are on. <laughs> the, you know, I... I haven't seen any events yet. I was at the bar last night, and there was—I think it was like they were playing it on the screen, but I didn't. That's cool. You know why I yeah, like I when think... America like wins the gold? Why? Because I'm from America, that, and that's pretty much the only reason. <laughs> I think that, that you know—that's usually how it works. When yeah. you have all different countries competing, you usually root for your country. Usually, maybe not always, but yeah. I had to. Explain it's weird though because night that oh, go ahead. I had to explain to one of my friends' kids last night that the Russian people who are competing are not actually competing like for Russia right now. Technically, like they don't have their own flag. They're not their the russian national anthem is not playing like she didn't realize that i was like yeah that's right yeah the the boycott yeah. or whatever the uh the banning the, they banned them because of doping oh the doping the doping sale. It's i because... thought it was because of the lgbt issues um mm-hmm. and other crimes against humanity but from what i'm seeing the official reason is because of the doping scandal. Yeah. I thought it was just simply from the other crimes of humanity that they perform. That's, what, you that's know, what I thought it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, though, because the Russians will always cheat. I don't know how much we're cheating because we're America and we're probably not privy to how much cheating is going on or how much doping or, you know, look at Lance Armstrong when, you know, that's different. That's a tour de France, right. but he's he's sitting there going, getting his blood replaced <laughs> or whatever. Right. Getting more blood cells put into him. Blood doping and all that stuff. Which is crazy. 
because it's like everybody thought he was the greatest ever and then it was like oh no when you've got like twice the amount of red blood cells you can carry more oxygen in your body and all that stuff so it's like okay (laughs) we're cheating too there's people here that are cheating but uh the russians will always seem to cheat because they i guess the, the benefits outweigh the costs for them and then they just deny it and lie and it's you know what it's like it's like the things that are built into Apple, like the planned obsolescence of mm-hmm. Apple products. When they upgrade your system, they already say that, yeah, we do certain things that will affect the performance of your phone because we want to save battery life or we want to save... They say it's an offset of something that they're trying to fix. But many class action lawsuits will like come down on Apple. But... Co- companies like Apple build into their their plans payouts for class action lawsuits because they will still profit from right. whatever they're selling. It's actually built into stuff that they know is going to get them sued, but they'll still make a profit. So who's the idiot now? <laughs> it's crazy. Us every time. All of us, yeah, for no sure. Computer. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Stop all the, the downloading. The problem is, is that it's not just Apple. Like, no one is yeah, out there making a product that's gonna last a long time. They're just not no. doing it. Well, then they go out of business. If you could have one thing that lasts you forever, an everlasting gobstopper. You'll mm-hmm. go out of business. You just sell the first batch and that's it. So it makes sense. Cars used to be built to last. Mm-hmm. Cars used to be built Ford tough. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, not, not anymore. They want you to buy a new car every few years, but Toyota is still pretty. This is what I did the research for before I bought my car. Toyota will last. They'll last you for a while. Did you see though? So the um, they have a new Ford F one fifty pickup truck that is mm. fully electric, and it can um, haul like I think it's like ten. I I don't know the numbers, but I'm gonna say ten times. That's a lot, but it's a crazy amount of weight compared to mm. any of the regular gas engines. Really? So, so yeah. why aren't we so doing they're that making, They're making electric cars that are not just more efficient, but they are more powerful. Yes. It's kind of they cool. don't have an engine. They just have like a turbine. You know, it's interesting because I thought you were going to say they could haul and oats. Uh. Also, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I'm here all week. I think starting Monday, but at new 4 p.m. Studio 8H. I'm going to start at a new time, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. For you East Coasters, that's 7 p.m. I'm going to try a new thing out. Because the sun is staying up later, and I'd like to go out <laughs> at night. Dad Joke Friday, welcome to the show. That's a dad joke. <clears throat> My mouse isn't. Sometimes you gotta spit in it. What's um, what's a romantic <laughs> comedy? 
I think if you spit inside the mouse, like when you remember you had to blow inside the cartridge of the Nintendo game, because that yeah. was somehow, yeah, that somehow worked. Let me see what's trendy. All right, we've got Twitter opening Twitter now. Media, the media, entertainment. That's trending in entertainment. Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith says Spider-Man snub proves why no one watches Oscars. Make a populist choice. What do you think about that? The Oscars, they didn't nominate Spider-Man, and they had 10 slots to fill, and it was mandatory to fill all 10 slots for the Oscar nominations. And they didn't pick Spider-Man No Way Home, which everybody loved. Everybody loved. And it's a good movie. You know I'm not the person to ask this because I don't watch... You don't watch the Oscars? I don't watch movie award stuff. Yeah. I watch them all. I'm not... I know you do. No, I mean, it's cool. I'm not saying that people shouldn't. But I don't know. Hmm. Well, you know... And so, you know, like... I know you're in the industry and I fully support everything you do and everything that actors do. And we need entertainment. Like it is a necessary, we need entertainment, right? Like this, it's a part of our lives. It's an escape we need, but Mm -hmm. I just don't care who wins what. (laughs) You know what it is though. I, I acknowledge that every time I watch it, it's just a convention for all of the film industry people to be like, okay, who's working for the next five years? All right, let's see. Leo DiCaprio, you're still good. We're going to keep an eye on you. We're going to keep hiring you. We're going to see if the public responds to you. We're going to award you. It's really a self uh, congratulatory system because entertainment award shows are done on entertainment platforms. So it's like, of course they can make award shows for award shows, essentially. You know, right. it's like they own the the outlets, the television outlets and all of those things. So obviously they could just keep saying, hey, look, we're the greatest, aren't we? Look at us handing awards to ourselves all day. Aren't we great? This is the medium that we are watching and we're congratulating ourselves on it. I, even as someone who is pursuing acting, I'm an actor. I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not that guy. I'm not going to be that guy, but... I'm working on I'm, I told myself my resolution this year is to say that I'm an actor when someone asks me what I do because that's what I've done the last year and it's been paying off so hey, it's the thing that's made yeah what do you what do you do I'm an actor um <laughs> ooh, that's a bingo <laughs> so uh, let me just say uh that it's nonsense <sighs> <laughs> it's nonsense sometimes put people to put too much seriousness and weight into acting and entertainment and stuff and it's just listen it's just fun and games it's just fun and games am I right Ange no, let's play Ange's intro hey baby I can destroy everything but I'm not what but I can baby, baby. shut up and give us your money Shut up and give us your money, says Hollywood and Ange. Welcome, Ange, to the show. We're just talking about romantic comedies. We're talking about the entertainment industry and, like, what is even the point? We were talking a little bit about the Olympics. Do you ever watch 
Did you, Ange, let me just tell you, the Olympics are currently on, and uh, on Sunday there's a big game called the Supper Bowl. Uh, so hopefully you guys, it's the big game. You can't say Super Bowl anymore. Hey, what's up, Will? Check this out. I've got everybody on point. I'm f- streaming fully at 30 frames per second. You know why? Because I deleted every single scene. Sorry, Carl Weathers report. <laughs> you got the touch. Is this Will? You, you got, got the power. The power. Is this Will? Yeah. The soup. The soup or bowls. Yeah. Wesley. Wait, Wesley, he's not even here. Yeah, welcome to the show. We're talking about romantic comedies, some a little bit about the Olympics, a little bit about award shows, the nonsense that award shows are. I mean, come on. It's just the entertainment industry using the entertainment industry to congratulate the entertainment industry. <laughs> that's all it is. Um, but that's the cynic in me. And also, <laughs> it's fun to do. Acting is fun. Also, nothing makes sense. Everything's absurd. And so live your life. Enjoy it. We're just a blue dot hurtling through space. Brought to you by Zag Nut Candy Bars. Oh. I've got a... That's my outlook. I'm happy about it. It brings me great joy to understand that all of the meaning and purpose to my life can be uh, curated on my own. I can decide what that is. I don't have to read no book about some... Uh, some guy named Steve or Jesus. Eh, none of those guys. <laughs> for me. You do you. Also for the Super Bowls, I just want to watch the halftime show. Yeah, me too. Ange, believe you me, Judy, Ange, Will, Studio 8H. I live in Los Angeles. The Los Angeles uh, Rams, I believe, are going to be playing in Los Angeles in the Super Bowl and it's going to be the most Los Angeles, Los Angeles Super Bowl ever because Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg is definitely going to be there. But Eminem, you know, he's from Detroit, but that's okay. He's Dr. Dre's protege. The thing is, there's so many, there's so much L.A. going to be happening on Sunday. I'm almost afraid to leave my house. <laughs> L.A. will be swallowing itself alive on, on Sundays. But uh, like that actually gets me pumped up. Judy, I've I've actually developed some LA pride. I feel I identify wow. as a Los Angelino at this point. Because I tell you, I love it. Growing up, you know, growing up we watched The Chronic, we listened to The Chronic, we listened to uh you know all that stuff. So we were yeah. now I live in LA and I know that vibe. I know that feeling of like that sort of summertime in Los Angeles feeling having been here for like 10 of them at least or 11 and uh yeah it's gonna i'm excited i'm really excited to see that go down and mary j mary j i gotta tell you something also i went to a few years ago this is like eight years ago actually so it's not a few it's more than a few it's several i was at this vodka event it was a promotional vodka event Mary J. Blige was, it was free. My friend was like, hey, my work got me these tickets to this promotional vodka event. It's a corporate event. And Mary J. Blige is there. And I was like, we're going. That's all there is to it. We have to see Mary J. Blige sing live. And I got to tell you, she came out there saying not more than five or six songs completely melted our brains. (sighs) 
and like basically dropped the mic and walked off. And I was like, Mary J, you just earned that $250,000 or whatever they paid you to sing the six songs. You know what I mean? Probably a million. It's a corporate event. You get paid. And I was like, Mary J, good golly. She's just ridiculous. She's a force of nature. I was, we were just like, how is this? She, how, you know, you ever see Mary J. Blige, yeah. Judy? I she haven't, but I, I do love her music. She's got passion. Yeah, she does. She sang, she even, she even sang that song one that she sang with Bono, but she's singing herself, but she's singing better than Bono. I'm just saying. Yeah, she does. <laughs> She better sing it than Bono, for sure. hundred times better. Bono has got a distinct voice. He's not the greatest singer, interestingly right. enough. He's got a sincere but he yelp. has a great presence, which makes yeah. his concerts so much fun. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. I was at a YouTube concert about four or five years ago, and uh, it, was the con- it was the tour where... Corbin, Anton Corbin, the photographer who did like all of the black and white photography for not only like a few of their album covers, like Joshua Tree and Boy, he did. He was on tour with Art, um, with Joy Division, and later on, he he was their tour photographer in like 1979 for Joy Division, and then in like the, the mid 2000s, directed the bio the the biography film, the biopic. Of Joy Division and the singer Ian Fleming. I forget the guy's name. Ian Fleming wrote the James Bond novels. But the, yeah. <laughs> this dude, yeah, Anton, he was like the black and white photographer for like all of these bands and actually directed the movie. And the movie's called Control. See the movie. It's in black and white and it's directed by the photographer for that band and for you too. And it's really good. And here's a fun fact about that movie. The actors learned how to play all the songs, so they're really playing live every time you watch them. So in really? those scenes where they're singing, yep, they're playing the song live in every in every scene that they're playing music. And it's great. I love it. Made me That's really good. fall in love with uh, Joy Division. Everything about the movie, like everybody in the band that they cast looks just like the band members. Every, it was perfect. It was such a great movie. Classic. Strange thing, but cool. On the Elevation Tour, Bobo. Bobo? <laughs> was uh, sounding like Burning Spe- like burning Spear. Ian Curtis, thank you. Ian Curtis. The- Will's got the all... He's the, he's the ringer. He comes in with the, the correct answers. Thank you for being the... The most of my brain will. <laughs> I mean, I have no brain left. I still jam to the Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill. It's like one of the three U2 songs I really like. Oh, that's from the Batman movie. That's a pretty good song. And Control is a great movie. The ending is tough, though. The ending is... Don't watch the ending. <laughs> Just don't watch the ending of Control. But watch the movie Control. Today we're talking about what's going on in the news. Romantic comedies. Talking about all kinds of stuff. Talking about the Olympics. If you're watching the Olympics, what happened this week? I missed the opening ceremonies, Judy. When were the opening ceremonies? I think they were last week. week. I think the Olympics are actually almost over. 
It's passing me right by. I think it most happens. I'm concerned about I'm concerned <laughs> about this Ukraine situation. It's making Supposedly, me angry. Biden has a meeting with Putin this weekend. Is he going to be poop 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 Putin oh. on the hits? Uh-huh. Um you know I'm concerned. We all should be. It's like World War Three out there. What are they doing? <laughs> I said this the other day. I don't know how it went over with everybody. But when white people start b- bombing other... When, when we... I'm going to say when the United States starts bombing white people. Say Russia, for instance. That's when they call it World War. <laughs> it's also when, you know, countries... When white countries try to invade white countries, then it's a world war. Otherwise, it's like a conflict or something. You know? You did say um, that the other I believe that. I believe once... I think, I think there's merit to that, for sure. Yeah. When's the last time we bombed white people? You know? Was it Bosnia or Tsukovina? What was it? I feel like when you start bombing Russians... I don't know. That's, that's when to get scared. Because that's when like other countries are like, uh-oh. White people are getting bombed? That's not... We're supposed to bomb all the brown people. Aww. Here's a film school type of question. Is Harold and Maude a romantic comedy? Yes. Ange, have you ever heard War, The Unforgettable Fire? Those are the top two. Top to bottom U2 albums I stand behind. Yes, they are great albums for sure. War, yes, a friend of mine let me borrow the CD. They're good. Really, really good. Joshua Tree is also quite good. Um, that's the album they played. While a lot of Anton Corbin photography was playing on the, I think it was like a three story backdrop. It was huge. So it was just like this LED screen three stories high and, and it was just constantly showing these Joshua trees and black and white and stuff. It was pretty cool. It's called the Joshua Tree Tour. But yeah, I feel like once we start, I think that bombing the brown people is what the United States has become an expert in. And uh, it gets scary when, you know, it gets it gets scary. It's always scary. We shouldn't be bombing anybody. Nobody should right. bomb anybody, guys. It's not, we are on this little tic-tac flying, flying through space. We're a tiny little dot. We can't be blowing each other up. It's such a waste of resources and time and life. But, uh, yeah, I just get concerned about it. No good comes of it. Ever. No. No. No good comes of that, and no good comes of skiing. You ever go skiing? <laughs> Seems like everybody twists their knee. They get cold. They're cold. They hit a tree. They die. <laughs> I went skiing once, and I walked down the bunny slope, and that was it. I went into the lodge, and I hung out for the day. <laughs> Hot cocoa, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I would be doing. Skiing. I don't... But, oh, Call me crazy. Maybe I'll try snowboarding one day because at least my feet will be facing the same direction. But I can't... I can't imagine twisting my legs off like everybody gets their legs twisted off. Look, people people gotta do their thing. People gotta... But, again, I don't know, Ange, Will, maybe you can back me up on this, but skiing, that's, that's, that's like a white people activity, you know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm... 
I'm not trying to call you guys out, but I'm just saying that for me, that's not something that ever appeals to me. <laughs> ever. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. It just seems like if you're rich, you do it. I was, yeah. See, I was going to say, definitely like a rich person. <laughs> nope. They're like, Thanks. how do we risk our knees and possibly our lives? How do we go into the cold, the severe cold, on purpose? <laughs> like, why? How do we do? Right. Yeah. Is it snowing where you are? Uh, not right now. No, but it's cold. No. L.A. was really cold last week. I was going oh, yeah? around in my long underwear. What was it like? Yeah. 72 degrees? <laughs> Listen, Judy. That is cold. <laughs> okay? <laughs> try to try to eat a burrito at 72 degrees. That is cold burrito. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like it was like 56, which is chill. There's a chill in the air. Gets oh, yeah. gets sure. down to like That's chilly. 50. But uh yeah. But it's weird because, you know, I've got, like, no tolerance anymore for my, my... I've acclimated to the warmth of Southern California. So as soon as there's a cold spell, I'm like, ugh, I can't do it. One time I was back in New York in May, and it was chilly. My brother Ricky's walking around with, like, a t-shirt on, and my teeth were chattering. And I chipped a tooth because they were chattering so hard. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was freezing. Like, how do you do it? He's like, what? It's 72 degrees. Um, <laughs> and <it> says 56. <laughs> it's a good temp. There's no practical utility for skiing. Skying? Skying? We went skiing in high school after a class day trip. Now I just want to hear bombs over Baghdad, Outcast. Outcast, that's a Outcast. What are they up to, Outcast? Where's my Andre 3000? He sold 3008. You know, what's going on with Outcast? Let's go call him up. What's his phone number? Can you just dial Andre 3000 and get him? Because I would like to talk to him about this. Big boy. Andre, where we at? Come on, give us another double album. That's what you're good at. You know, it's so fresh and so clean, clean. That's what I'm just saying. We need a new Outcast album. That's that would be, be very cool. You know, I listened to the heck out of uh, Speaker Box to Love Below. I listened to that over and over and over again for a year straight. Every day on the 14th. You know? I listened to yep. that. You know you like to think you don't stink, but you're a little bit closer and you don't smell like ooh, ooh, ooh. Stinkonia is amazing. 3000 did a long interview with Rick Rubin last year. Ooh, I've got to watch that because Rick Rubin has been doing these interviews, these sit-down interviews. He did the one with Paul McCartney on Hulu, which was great. You got you watched that too, Judy. I remember you said you watched that. Yes. With uh, Paul McCartney. I love that. It was like so fun that. to listen to, too. Mm. Just the way that they were breaking the music down. It was incredible. I love that Rick Rubin, because he's such a mega producer, that he's like pulling out 
some things from Paul McCartney that we never heard Paul McCartney. And even Paul was like, you know, that's an interesting question. I got to think about that. And you know what I remember from that time is this. And as Rick Rubin was asking really specific musical sort of uh, inside baseball questions to Paul McCartney, and those were really piquing his his interest in his memory. And it was cool to watch him dig up all of these memories about recording certain songs like the bass line for while my guitar gently weeps is an incredible bass line the bass tone the bass line and paul's like yeah you know you just you just record it that day and whatever you know you just record it that day and then you have it you know, just one time you play it really you're <laughs> just like really <laughs> i think he plays that song live he plays that and something on the ukulele which is pretty cool that he plays those two George Harrison songs live. But then he plays like 30 Paul McCartney songs, which is incredible. 3K is just the place where he's putting out music, doesn't really hold an interest as much as creating and enjoying the ride and letting go. You know, it was a, a missed opportunity. It was Andre 3000 playing Jimi Hendrix in that movie from a few years ago, which is ridiculous. He played Jerry Hydrox in that movie. It was basically, it was off-brand. Because they had to not use Jimi Hendrix music. They could only use Jimi Hendrix songs that were covers. They could Because the Jimi Hendrix estate was like, well, we're not going to license your music. Even though Andre 3000 was like a perfect, just in demeanor alone. Not only does he look similar enough to Jimi Hendrix, but his demeanor, his quietness, his, it, it, it was just such a good cast, but a missed opportunity to to have Andre 3000 play Jimi Hendrix, but not actually play any Jimi Hendrix songs. Stankonio is an adventure. Actually never heard the album of theirs after Equemino. Equemini. That's what I was going to say, Equemini before. Idlewild is pretty good. Yeah, they're good. Idlewild, they did the movie too. Those guys are iconic. I want more. I want more more Andre I want Andre 5,000 give me Andre 6,000 please more Andre you know he's a uh, the baby daddy of Eric Abadu they gotta probably had the most talented kid ever to walk to earth he and Eric Abadu got a baby I did not or know two, that yeah could you imagine how good that kid is at music yeah right <laughs> it's crazy Music is definitely genetic, I think. I mean, honestly, I think Paul McCartney's son is a better musician than Paul McCartney. Wow. That's a bold statement. He's not a better songwriter, clearly. <laughs> but listen, he, he plays lots of instruments and he plays them better than Paul McCartney, in my opinion. Which is crazy to say, but that I've is... seen this dude play. Yeah, James McCartney. Have you ever <clears throat> seen James McCartney play? I have not. I will he's a better singer? I don't know if he's a better singer. Really? But he's a better... I don't know if he's a better singer. The thing I love about Paul McCartney and his and Paul McCartney singing is that I never had really the appreciation that I do have now after watching Get Back with Paul McCartney because... Just watching him come up with those songs and, and 
sing those songs and record those songs that are iconic now that we know everybody knows those melodies and those songs how much he has to sell the song as a singer we have to believe that there's a long and winding road that leads me to his your door or whatever we gotta believe that he's like say yesterday for instance He's 22 years old, he comes out on stage and he plays the acoustic guitar and he's singing about this lost love yesterday. You believe him. You're sad for him. He sounds like a guy. You know, that's the thing about songs. You gotta sing the song. And he sings the song. I know that sounds like a stupid statement, but what I'm trying to say is that he, he believes what he's saying. He's, he's sincere. And that it, song doesn't work unless you're sincere about it. That's why, on the same token, you've got Axl Rose says he sometimes he can't take it because every night he's singing about his heroin addictions. Mm. <laughs> you know? And he's like sitting there every day, got to see how much he's doing drugs and stuff. But he's trying not to be doing drugs anymore, I don't think. But he's just, every day he's just like... Wake up in the morning around seven, get out of bed around nine. He's been dancing, Mr. Brownstone. You know? That's my Axel Rose. This may sound silly, but that's one of the reasons why I really enjoyed 10 by Pearl Jam. Because I just felt yes. like you could feel the passion in all of those songs. Definitely. <clears throat> 100%. Nirvana, too. Uh, oh, yeah. Era. Um, the interesting, the thing is, uh, that I love about 10 and that era of Pearl Jam, now that you, now you brought up Pearl Jam, the thing about Pearl Jam in that era is that, it, yes, it's very sincere, it's very raw, it's very passion, impassioned. But later on, it just became every song. Yeah. Just, just grunts and squeaks coming from Eddie Vedder and I was like you know I much preferred when Eddie Vedder sang songs instead of there's like three albums in a row where he's just squeaking and you're like Eddie sing the notes use your voice we like the sound of your voice not the squeaks and the grunts I don't know that's, that's my that's my opinion. I dropped I, off of Pearl Jam. I get it. There are definitely Pearl Jam songs that I haven't even ever listened to. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't trust you anymore, but... <laughs> I listened to that new album that came out during the beginning of the pandemic. I listened to it in my car, drove like an hour away to a Trader Joe's that had like nobody in it because I needed food. It was in Lancaster. and I, I, It was actually a beautiful drive. I drove through all the poppy fields and everything. And it was nice. But I was listening to the Pearl Jam album that came out two years ago. And by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, There's so, there are entire sections of their songs that just sound like straight up cop outs. <laughs> like, whereas, you know, I could almost do like a musical example or just play you one of their songs. But there's like entire songs, entire sections of their songs where they're just like, They'll play like a really interesting part, they'll play another interesting part, and then they'll just be like. 
Let's get to the next section so we can get out of this part. I'm like, guys, you're just trying to fill time on an album. <laughs> if if it sounds dumb, make a better part. Sometimes it doesn't work. It's not like, you know, Rearview Mirror, which has got a great ending. But it ends just chords, like wailing in chords, but... My barometer, when I'm writing a song with a band or something like that, and then I'm in the room, my barometer for that, it's very simple. Just look at everybody in the room while you're playing the song that you just wrote with the band members. Look at everybody and see who's bored. <laughs> if you're playing a part of a song and someone's bored about it, what makes you think someone else is going to like that if you're bored playing it? That's, That's happened many totally times. Makes sense. You're gonna have to, you gotta want to have a fire in your belly. You want to be playing the heck out of the song. You want to be like, Argh! you want to be saying something. But I've been in a couple bands where, you know, you got like a really cool section, a really good chorus, a really good verse again, and then suddenly there's a section that people you could just tell everyone in the room just wants to get to through this part to the cool part of the song. And I'm like, wait a minute, guys. If we don't want to play this part of the song, let's either write a better part that we do want to play or get rid of it. Because otherwise, we're just biding time getting through a part of a song. That makes that makes absolutely no sense. And I think a lot of people have to get to that point in um, where you kill your darlings. You say, oh, this part doesn't even have to be here or we could just completely replace it with something else i just truly think that every part of a song should raise the interest whether it's like the song gets completely silent for a measure that's it well now you're now it's twisted my ear now i'm not hearing anything and now the song comes back you know that's just what what you add and it's what you take away that makes it interesting I'm just going off now because I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just hogging all the airtime here, Judy. Well, you know, it is your show, so I think you're supposed to. This is Judy Throttle Full, full Stottle. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the name of the show. We've renamed it. On Monday, we're going to go to 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. A little bit earlier. Yeah, it pays to be willing to shut the door on the material you left behind. Binary... Uh, Binaural, I think you're talking about as well, is probably my favorite Pearl Jam album. Interesting. Eddie has a new album out oh. this week, I think. That's cool, Studio 8H. I think I do see his... I do follow him on Instagram, and I do see that he is touring right now. He's promoting something. Uh, is this Will? And he says these things like, well, well, yes, is this Will? There are two or three albums in a row where he just... Eddie Vedder just doesn't sing. He just squeaks and, and groans. And then he comes back to singing when he starts singing like songs like uh, Just Breathe and stuff. You're like, oh, well, there you I go, I love that song. Yeah, that's a great song. I'm like, Eddie, there's your voice. There's your beautiful voice. Keep singing. He's a, he's a very impassioned dude. And the thing about him is he can kind of sell his affect because he's so, he's so like uh, serious, you know. Uh, but then he actually says something pretty deep and you're like, okay, you got me. You've... You bought yourself another five minutes, Eddie Vedder. 
Because <laughs> you just said something pretty deep. But if you keep, you know, uh, staring into the middle distance and uh, contemplating, like, com contemplative look. Lightning Bolt seemed like to be the official wind down. That was the one from when, I don't know when that one was from. I think Pearl Jam are just content on recording the sound of them successfully being a band at this point. 30 years, a long time they've been a band writing songs. The ideas in the genre are exhausted. Yeah, I know, but, you know, it's that's the way you start to, you know, why isn't Pearl Jam writing some trap beats now? Come on, Pearl Jam. <laughs> Hot Take Willie. Hot Take Willie, that's, that's your new name, Hot Take Willie. New, here we go. Hot Take Willie, coming in hot. <laughs> hot Take Willie, new Red Hot Chili is the lesser Black Summer song. Dirty Black Summer by Danzig is the one. You know, I don't know that song by Danzig, but I do like the Black Summer song. It's been in my head for a week now, at least. I do enjoy that song. Uh, I listen to it on my hike. You know why I like that song, is this, Will? The new Red Hot Chili Peppers album is coming out, too. Here's a funny thing about Red Hot Chili Peppers and Pearl Jam that we're, we're kind of connecting those two thoughts right now. Because Pearl Jam just picked up Josh Klinghoffer as their touring guitar player. Now, if you guys don't know who Josh Klinghoffer is, he was the guitar player for the Red Hot Chili Peppers for the last the previous two albums. He was also their touring guitar player for about five years before he joined the band officially, maybe seven years. So he was like the backup guitar player to John Frusciante because everybody was like looking around the room at John when John's going to leave the band again. <laughs> They're like, uh oh, John might leave. We need to get Josh learning all the songs. You know, Josh is a prodigy as well. People, Josh Klinghoffer, many, many props to Josh Klinghoffer because he's an incredible guitar player. He, he's just a different, he's got different sensibilities than John Frusciante. And John Frusciante is what we all grew up listening to, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The defining sound of the Red Hot Chili Peppers is that guitar sound on, like, Under the Bridge or Funky Monks or anything off of um, Mother's Milk and uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. So defined by the bass and the, and the guitar parts. It's just all bass and guitar. It's the genius of Flea and John Frusciante coming together on those albums that is just, like, they're both equal geniuses. And it's crazy to listen to them play and then have someone who cannot really sing like Anthony Kiedis. It's very funny. It's a juxtaposition. <laughs> Anthony Kiedis is over there in the corner going, ning, ning, no, nong, ning, ning. While these guys are like emoting genius with every guitar lick. The thing I love about Black Summer is it's all there. It's all there. It's all Chili Peppers. All day. It might not be their greatest song, but if you go back to every little point, it's like it's like their Californication for this cycle. It's like their you know, you know it's it just it's just a solid Red Hot Chili Peppers song, and it feels like it's not any lesser than anything that they've really done, which is cool to see after what have they been for forty years now? So, so to see a band that can come out with a song, that, and you listen to. I know I was playing that for you the other day, uh, Judy, was the guitar solo John Frusciante has on that song, Black Summer, yeah. is just yeah. an incredible guitar solo. It blows my mind every time. It tickles me. So it's cool to see those musicians still on top of their game. Those musicians and Anthony Kiedis on top of their game. <laughs> I know, I saw them the live 
a couple of years ago. I mean, I've seen them live a few times. Like we went when we were younger, but I went a couple of years ago, and Anthony Kiedis was having such a bad night. It was just really sad because I was like, "Oh, this this Look, he, sucks right now." <laughs> he's got charisma. He's got personality, and personality goes a long way. So it's it goes forty years a long way. He's he's just he's kind of he's Anthony Kiedis. I mean, he is. It's like you can't hate him. I mean, you could. I'm sure you can hate him, but I don't hate him. I, I enjoy his his sensibilities. Maybe lyri his lyrical sensibilities are funny because the song Black Summer. I just want to say also the other Pearl Jam connection with Red Hot Chili Peppers is Pearl Jam had Jack Irons play drums on like three or four albums, and Jack Irons yeah. was Red Hot Chili Peppers one of their drummers. <laughs> so whenever Red Hot Chili Peppers drops a band member. Pearl Jam picks him up. That's what we learned. <laughs> There's a, they're very tightly knit two bands. Josh Klinghoffer, shout out to Sh Josh, because he, he, in my opinion, on those two Pearl Jam, uh, sorry, those two Red Hot Chili Peppers albums that Josh Klinghoffer plays on and co-writes, he co-wrote those albums. On those albums, they, Red Hot Chili Peppers are way more melodic and way more harmonic than they really ever were. So their musical harmonies and because you know when I think Red Hot Chili Peppers, when most people think Red Hot Chili Peppers, funky, like very bluesy, funky, bluesy, funky, blues, funk, aggressive, rock. But those two albums that Josh Klinghoffer plays on, very melodious, very harmonic, lush with chords and, and chord changes, and you're like, okay, they graduated from the funk punk to actual harmonic structure. Oh, yes, I did, Studio 88. I did see the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers Carpool Karaoke. That is that is a very fun one. I think at one point they all just jump out of the car and start wrestling on a front lawn, which is very Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> of them to do. Um, I mean, I love them. They're, they're, they're up to antics. They're, they're as good a... They're just antics, but also seriously good musicians. Flea, Flea, uh, Flea um, Chad Smith, and John Frusciante, seriously good musicians. Just ridiculously world-class musicians. And, and then you have Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> <laughs> Not to crap on Anthony Kiedis anymore, but I, I hope to go see that concert this summer, actually. Because you know why? Thundercat is opening. That's awesome. So that's a that's a concert. That's worth it just alone to see Thundercat. But the tickets were like three hundred eighty dollars. I was like, come on, man! It's gonna be at SoFi that's Stadium, which is where the that's what that's a lot of money. Yeah. How much would you pay for see Chili Peppers? Um, you know, probably up to two hundred dollars, maybe. Yeah, I'd say one hundred sixty dollars. <laughs> Before fees, I guess. That's right. what I would pay for one ticket. <clears throat> I got uh, Foo Fighters tickets on a whim the other day. Because I was like, yeah, you know what? I've been playing their drums for these last few couple months. Just like really learning how to play some... Just getting to know the Dave Grohl slash Taylor Hawkins sensibilities on the drums. It's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, with fees, it's 300 bucks. It's totally right. 
Studio 8H. Scar Tissue was probably the peak of Chili Peppers with all of them. Even Anthony showcasing their musicality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scar Tissue is a good album. Those two albums, Californication and Scar Tissue. Those were the comeback albums. And then you've got, what was it, Mars and Jupiter, the Stadium Arcadium double album. And then, of course, Frusciante left. And then they did two more albums, I think. And then now they're back with this new one with Rick Rubin, who we mentioned. To, to bring it all home, Rick Rubin. He's back with the <laughs> band producing. And uh, what do you got going on this weekend? What are you doing for the Super Bowl, Judy? Um, this week, well, this weekend we're celebrating my birthday. And That's then, right. Happy birthday, Judy. Uh, Shout out Judy's birthday on Monday. Yay. And then Super Bowl, I'm just going to go hang out with a couple of friends and eat food. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. Is there a special, are you making food for it? Uh, we haven't decided that yet. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do because, you know. I am so good at not making plans. It's it's definitely yeah. like my thing. <laughs> I'm well, that's a last good. minute you know, type of person. I, I like to you know figure talent. things out last minute. My special skill sure. is not making plans. <clears throat> but that means you're spontaneous. <laughs> it makes you interesting. Speaking well, of plans, I have plans in, in about twenty minutes. I'm gonna go eat pizza. In L.A., ladies and gentlemen. For real? Everybody says happy birthday. Yeah, there's a place Aww. on Santa Monica called DeSano's, and they make it, like, in the oven right there, and then bring it from the brick oven to your table, and it's nice and greasy and cheesy. So I'm like, I can I can stomach that pizza. But, nice. um, yeah. So I'm going to go do that. I'm what are you doing for the rest of your weekend? Too. Tomorrow I'm probably going to play drums. I don't have any plans for the night yet. Maybe I'll just, uh, I don't know. Maybe just make some music. We'll see. It is Saturday night. Maybe I should go out dancing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but Sunday, I don't know if I should leave the house. Sunday, I might go to my friend Lee's house and watch the Super Bowl. That's actually my plan. Oh, uh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, they're just going to sit by the pool and, and have the Super Bowl on. Um which will be safe because we'll be as far from SoFi Stadium, which, by the way, is just like 20 minutes that way. <laughs> um, it's it's going to be scary. Every bar, everything. And if the if L.A. loses, it's going to be riots. Because <laughs> everything is here. It's, they better win. You're going to want to pack a bag and um, possibly sleep yeah, over yeah. the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to sleep on the roof. Uh, if, if LA wins, there'll be riots. <laughs> so just just you wait. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Greasy and cheesy, beautiful meat, uh, maybe lean cuisine. Indeed, indeed. Well, everybody says happy birthday, Judy, and I will say happy birthday to Judy on the day because I will be ch- turning, uh, I will be starting at 4 p.m. starting next week, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Aristotle Full Throttle's show. We're talking with Judy today and uh, just hanging out, just talking about romantic comedies and red hot chili peppers, apparently. Also, Anthony Kiedis. And in the words of Anthony Kiedis, the dude writes too many words and he doesn't even have words for a soul to squeeze. <laughs> Where I go, I just don't know. What? And that's the other song. 
That's been around the world. Been around the world. Ding, ding, dong, dong. Come on, dude. Chop, chop. Cheese stop. Chop, chop. Short stop. I don't know. They got ideas, that band. They, they, they got some fresh ideas. But the song, the new song, not bad. I like it. It, it gets me, it feels like summer. It feels like LA summer to me. Waiting on another romantic comedy favorite of mine. Hmm, about time? Oh, about time. I know which one you're talking about. Is that the one with like the remote control or something like that? Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Ange, I fulfilled the 45 minute outro. Judy, thank you for joining Thanks me. Thanks for all the birthday wishes. Thank you, Judy. Oh, also. Happy birthday! <laughs> there you go. Did you? Yeah, we'll just do that a little louder. Happy birthday! There you go. All right. Um, all right, I'm going to go experiment on this pizza. I will take a picture of this pizza and put it in the Discord. And you guys can judge for yourself by your eyes. You can eat the pizza with your eyes and tell me how it tastes. But uh, Donald Gleason is Doc and Doctor Strange's girlfriend. Oh, you mean uh, Doctor Strange's girlfriend? She's Canadian. Her name is uh, I gotta get this name. Cause why am I not getting it? Cause we just talked about the Notebook, and she's in that with the other Canadian, really? the Gosling, the Canadian Gosling. Yeah, uh, Rachel. Something. Rachel McAdams? Right. McAdams. Yeah. Rachel McAdams. There it is. Rachel McAdams. Thank you, guys. My brain doesn't work today because I was out a little bit late last night. I was hanging out with uh, my friend and a, and a, and uh, her friend, who's a drag queen, who you should follow on Instagram. Their name is Bulimian Rhapsody. They're hilarious. They're very hilarious. Nice. Um, but yeah. Uh, uh, speaking about the, the notebook, the notebook I enjoyed the notebook. It's it's just a it's a sappy romance, but there's so many things that ring true about it. Right now I'm building a house. If you've seen the notebook, you know what I'm talking about. I'm fixing up the house, Aww. rebuilding. Yeah. See the it's worth watching. One of James James Garner's last roles, I think. Really? Yeah. It was good. Alright. I think I think we did it. I think we covered it all. We've done it all. And now I've got to leave. Because it's 7.13. And 7.30 is the time I should be here. Have Thank fun. you guys for joining me. I'm going to enjoy that pizza. I will. I will have fun. Thank you so much, guys. Happy weekend. And happy Super Bowls. <laughs>